0: So I am very excited to welcome our guest today, who is none other than Haika. Welcome, Haika, welcome.
1: Thank welcome. you. It's great to be here. Thank you so much for having me in the show.
2: Oh thank you for coming. We're very happy to have another artist here on the <laughs> Many thanks for coming today. Um,
1: my pleasure.
0: I would like to start by asking you how many countries have you lived in? Because you're a very multicultural individual, and you have a lot of very interesting experiences.
1: All right, um, I've actually been to many countries, but I consider that I grew up and was, you know, and, and am most influenced by three three countries. Um, Brazil, uh, America and Japan. I think those were the ones that were very important in my formative years. I think many of my values, uh, who I am as a person were defined by these very distinct <laughs> cultures. So I would say that, yeah, Japan, Brazil, and the U.S.
0: But you grew up in Japan, didn't
1: you? I did. I did. I, I, I went to high school in Japan. So I spent, you know, from the age of thirteen to seventeen, living in Japan, so that was that was very um, important in terms of like who I became as a person. So, but
2: you were born in Brazil.
1: I was. Uh, so, how did you get to the U.S.? I was born in Brazil, and then I went to an American school here from the age of eleven. Okay. So that's sort of my first contact with the American um, culture. Uh, when I was in Japan, I was in an international school, but with still a lot of American friends. And then I went to college in America, ah, in Boston. Okay. In yeah. Boston? Wow. Yeah, yeah. East Coast. Ah. In the East Coast, yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> did, did you find it difficult to relate to your peers in, when, while you were moving from country to country?
1: I did. I don't know if you guys have ever come across the term third culture kid. No,
0: Mm, don't think I have.
1: Yeah, third culture kids are like bewildered animals, like me. Like you have your Japanese parents born in Brazil, and then you grow grow up in America. So like in a third culture, Um, and there's a common trait to third culture children, uh, third third culture adults, as a matter of fact, that they're usually very sociable. They can blend very easily, but they find it hard to have lasting relationships. You know, because you're kind of like a nomad. I still feel like that. Right. You know, I, I, I have had very significant and very profound relationships in my life. I've been very lucky. But um, in general, people who um, are brought up like that amongst many different cultures do have uh, some level of difficulty connecting with the group. Because ultimately, the group does always consider them an outsider.
2: Right.
0: Mm-hmm. So when did you stop then? Just just to go
1: When did ahead. I start? Yeah. I started... Um, My first professional work was in 1991. Okay. I was an artist of Sony Japan. Wow. Of a band called Girls Club. Uh, so fast forward to 2006
2: but I, is this like the Spice Girls or something it like was
1: <laughs> it was called Girls Club it was exactly like that but it was a global thing because okay, right. one of the girls was half Spanish half American the other girl was French Canadian the other girl was from Taiwan the other girl was half Swiss half Japanese so, I, so
2: you have actually have quite a long history of all of these global initiatives I do, that, that,
1: I do. That are yeah I do it has a lot to do with the school where I went right. in Japan
2: so, so, so what's the most um, fulfilled you get from making music? What's, what's the drive in
1: that? It's, really, it's a good question. <laughs> it's, it's very interesting, actually. I think that 2006, I quit music. Okay. I said, yeah. I'm never going to sing ever again. So, like, when I quit, it found me again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, no, honey, you can't, you know? So,
2: so you say that there, there's, there's something else that connected you to music?
1: I think so. I don't think it's something that you choose. I think it chooses you. And unless you do it, unless you pay attention to it, you won't be happy.
2: Well, if you heard me sing happy birthday, you would know it definitely didn't choose me. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't recommend it. let hear that. <laughs> I'm not would recommending it for James, a duet. Happy birthday. <laughs> that's on one of on the other parts. Have you been practicing? <laughs>
1: so anyway, the fulfillment part, I think, has to do, I think, with the with my Personally, my reali- realization that I don't choose music; music chooses me, and you gotta, and I won't be happy unless I do it, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that when you have ideas, when you have music, when you have words that want to come out, and you give it your attention, uh, I think time ceases to exist for a few moments of creation. So I do enjoy the songwriting part very, very, very much. It's
0: very cathartic, no.
1: Yeah, it is. It is. I'm sure you feel that when you're writing your, your Absolutely, scripts. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You
0: just feel much better when yeah. you're doing it. You you, know?
1: you feel much better when you're doing it, and it doesn't matter what the outcome is. If people are ever going to listen to it, it's just something that is very personal, and at the same time, it is very universal because you feel connected to something that is 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 bigger than yourself. And and I think that that's it is it is very fulfilling mm-hmm. to to experience that.
2: That brings me actually to one of my questions because. Um, you have a, a website. I do, and you have some music on there. You, you you perform several several songs, and one of those things, well, I don't know if there's any one thing that I saw, but I had I had the idea that there was this idea about global music, mm-hmm. a global song.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So. What was your inspiration for that? Was that part of your your whole journey?
1: It is. It it was. I think the idea of global... I think it's interesting. It's another one of those um, paradoxes of of human nature. I think that we're all um, very, very different on the outside and I think those differences are very important and they make our lives more rich. But in essence, we are very, very similar. So I think that the idea, um, I think you're you're referring specifically to a song called Work of Art. And so the song, the the, the lyrics go, I am a work of art. In the sense that, you know, all the colors are, you know, within us, make Mm -hmm. us who we are, the dark side and the bright side. And we Mm -hmm. have to come to terms with all of those. And I felt that it was a very uh, essential and human, you know, message that I wanted to, feeling angst, yearning that I wanted to mm-hmm. express. And so that's you know, that was the title track of my, my um two thousand and ten album, Work of Art. And then, you know, we set out on this sort of journey to write the song in as many languages as I could because I felt that it would be like a, glo- a universal thing right um,
2: and, 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 and how many languages did you actually make that, that song in? I
1: ended up recording it in 21 languages 21 yeah including two <laughs> native in, idioms uh, out of which one is called Lushootseed And there were only four speakers left uh, in the world at the time when we Uh recorded who who were fluent. So how did that
0: work then? How did you memorize all the words for each of these new languages? Oh, I did a lot of
1: homework.
0: (laughs) Did you have like a personal coach? to? I
1: did. uh, Many times the lyricist himself or herself taught me how to speak the language. And because I do have this background in language and an interest in phonetics, you know, I, I worked with them. And many times they were, you know, uh, remotely uh, during with me during the recording sessions, and they would coach me through right. as I was singing um, each part of the song.
0: In some languages, I've heard that it's impossible to hear a sound because unless you're exposed to it up to the age of two years old, it will two different sounds for a Chinese person will actually sound like one sound to a, maybe a Western person who's not been exposed to those two different frequencies. Oh, so, it
1: totally happened to me
0: so then how how do you how do you you just guess yeah i or? just did,
1: i just i just did my best mm-hmm. Lushootseed, seed the native uh, language from washington their language was born out of mimicking sounds of nature okay. so like you have to let saliva accumulate into on top of your tongue and then blow air wow. so it's just really really uh very new to 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 the whole vocal apparatus to right. produce those sounds and And certainly I failed many times as I was Mm. trying to do this. And I'm sure there were many sounds that I just couldn't make because, as you said, my ears just can't capture them.
0: And it looks like it was extremely well received, too, looking at the number of views on your website. It was.
1: It was great. I think people – because, and it was funny because it was completely non-commercial. And, Uh you know, the person that I was working with at the time – quote-unquote managers people are never going to listen to an eight-minute video sung in 21 languages and it, <laughs> not true right mm-hmm. so and so that project we got uh got special mention by the united nations alliance of civilizations uh-huh. which is a un uh branch that deals with diversity and so it was played in their annual event in qatar so it was just just really f- rewarding nice to, to to be a part of that fantastic yeah. Yeah.
2: I Actually, I wanted to ask you about a different initiative that, that, that you have. It's about an app mm-hmm. that, that I believe that you made. Right. It's the Hey Amigo app. Right. Tell me a little bit about that. How did that get started, and, and, and what do you do with Hey Amigo?
1: Okay, Hey Amigo um, is an app that came out. Um, we got the inspiration from it um, when my, my, my deceased husband, uh, my first husband, was actually diagnosed with cancer. And I for three years, I was his full-time caregiver. And so just, you know, going to the hospital and knowing that we were going through a lot, but looking around and seeing that people around us were going through so much more because they, you know, they didn't have people to accompany them in medical procedures that require the presence of another person. They didn't have um, the means to commute, you know, to and from the hospital. So you would see people, you know, really, really struggling to even get to like a chemo session that's supposed to keep them alive. So because um, we already had this background in, in humanitarian projects, uh, going through that, I was very inspired to sort of, you know, when life throws lemons at you, you, you make, make lemonade. lemonade. I think that was def- definitely the spirit of, you know, we've got to do something positive out of mm-hmm. all this suffering. And so we had this idea to create an app to connect cancer patients with volunteers who could provide assistance, free assistance, uh for car rides and accompaniments. So somebody who can who could go with with the patient to these um countless appointments and right. procedures and even mm. surgery. Right. And so it was basically about two years of volunteer work. The app was ready. We launched it in, in Google Campus. Um Dr. Leandro uh, enrolled it on an innovation award, um, right. and 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 we got first place in in this innovation award, and we were meant to begin pilot programs in March 2020. <laughs> wow. and, then, and then
2: coronavirus. And yeah,
1: then love. we have this app, which is an app <laughs> of social connection in times of social isolation. Right. So that had to be put on hold uh-huh. for a while, but we're resuming work on that. Um, so, to, so
2: hopefully that should come out soon, pretty
1: Yes, soon, right? yes, to begin implementing these pilot programs because okay. this is something that's never been done before. Right. So it it's sort of like an Uber, but it's the it's it's within a controlled environment.
0: Sounds amazing. So you've recorded how many CDs? How many albums?
1: Uh, actually, I recorded one album and then I released another four singles. Okay. And then right now, on I'm, I'm on my way to releasing a new, maybe an album, maybe an EP. I don't know yet. An EP is shorter. It would okay. be like four songs. Uh-huh. Just because um, to promote music these days, it's better if you have singles than if you have an album.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, Heike, thank you thank you very, very much. Did he for... pronounce it correctly or no?
1: He did. He, he did. did. <laughs> I didn't,
2: so that's terrible. That's, I'm embarrassed now. But, but thank you for coming no, here. No, thank I, you very much indeed. It's been it, wonderful having you here. No, I, I had a great time.
1: Thank you. It's, it's been my pleasure. I really, I really am very happy to be here with you guys, with your listeners, and, uh, you know, talking about the things I love to do.
3: This is the story of a man home once knew He thought he could make a rain in the desert People called him names, they said he was crazy No one he would listen This very man once told me that he wanted to fly He bought a plane, he left everyone amazed People called him names, they said he was crazy He said he was crazy, no one he would listen This is a story of a man whom I once knew He saw a forest where there was just a desert People call him names, they said he was crazy No one he would listen People call him names, they said he was crazy No one he So that, that definitely was... definitely
0: hear the Kate Bush influence
2: <laughs> Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah.